Welcome to I Thought I'd Be Rich By Now, the podcast for us to obsess over our favorites, our favorite TV shows, movies, books, and podcasts. I'm your host, Deborah. If you enjoyed this little independent podcast, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. As you may know, if you listen to episode five of this podcast, I love Selling Sunset. It's one of my favorite reality shows, and I have amazing Selling Sunset news. Chriselle and G Flip have gotten married. Like a lot of you out there, I thought that Chriselle and G Flip was more like a rebound thing. After her heartbreaking breakup with Jason Oppenheim, who is also one of her bosses at work. And that was so sad for so many reasons when they broke up. Um, and I talk about that in episode five. And so Chriselle and G Flip got together. They were dating. You think, okay, this is just like a fun time, whatever. And then they've stayed together for so long. You're like, okay, clearly this is more serious than we thought. And now they're married. So I'm so happy for Chriselle. I love Chriselle so much. And, and again, I talk about this in, in that old episode, but I watched Chriselle from back in her soap opera days because I used to be obsessed with soap operas. I watched a lot of them. So there are tons of actors um, and actresses that I know from back in those days. And when I see them pop up like in new shows and stuff, I'm so happy because there are so many good actors that came from soap operas. And I and I just think Chriselle was a person that deserved to have a bigger career than she did. And I'm so happy that she got that in Selling Sunset. And it always breaks my heart when I hear of any woman who doesn't have kids when they want to have kids and her like horrible, heartbreaking divorce from her ex-husband was so sad because that was the person that she thought she was going to have kids with. And then she started dating Jason and it seemed like a perfect pairing. Like it really seemed like a perfect pairing, but he ultimately made the decision for himself that he couldn't see himself as a father at that time. And there are just biological realities for women and the older that they get, they know it's just a tougher road. It's not impossible at all, but it's just a tougher road for women. And once they broke up, you just thought, you know, like where's Chriselle gonna go from here what what is she gonna do and clearly she's really happy with G Flip and I'm so happy for her because I just have a soft spot in my heart for her so I just hope she gets everything in this life that she wants and everything out of this relationship that she wants and I don't know what she's thinking about kids but if she still wants kids I hope she gets them and and if she's just happy with where she is in life I hope she just continues to enjoy it okay I know I'm getting sentimental over this person I don't know in real life but I just I don't know I have a, a very soft spot in my heart for Chrishell so I'm so happy and as happy as that news is and even more amazing great news is for Maya Vander who is another alum of Selling Sunset uh, I believe she's actually left the show now um, because she lives in Miami full-time but I love Maya and something heartbreaking had happened in the last season of Selling Sunset. Maya miscarried her baby at around like eight or nine months. It was a really heartbreaking situation. And she just announced on Instagram that she just welcomed her new daughter, Emma Rain, who she calls her rainbow baby. And she kept her pregnancy secret, which com is completely understandable because she had she was fully pregnant on the last season of Selling Sunset. And then obviously her her heartbreaking news that her her child had um, been stillborn, which is like the most heartbreaking situation you can imagine. So I'm just so happy for her and her husband and her kids that they have a new baby to celebrate. So all around amazing, happy news for Selling Sunset. Well, the biggest streaming news for me is that Netflix is back, baby. After being in a funk for a while, like I literally was not watching Netflix for months. 
They've had three huge hits in a row, three shows that I loved, including Beef, Love is Blind, and Night Agent. Today, I'm going to be talking about Beef and Love is Blind. Um, I'm not reviewing Night Agent, but not because I didn't love it. I loved Night Agent. It is 100% my type of show. I also love that Hong Chao was in it because she's just having like the most amazing breakout year to two years right now. She was nominated for an Oscar for The Whale and was in one of my personal favorite movies in the last like couple of years called The Menu, which I talked about in the last episode. Love is Blind season four really blew up this year. Like season one was really big and obviously people still watch season two and three, but for whatever reason, season four just blew up. Beef is a certified hit. It is a comedy drama with an original storyline that is so bonkers. So let's get right into it. Beef is a certified hit. It is an original dark comedy with an incredibly talented cast, a solid storyline, which I loved, but it was stressful to watch. So stressful, and I don't typically do well with super stressful shows, although I love thrillers, so that's kind of odd for me to say. It took me a lot longer to complete this show than I would have taken with others because I couldn't watch it every night. I was seriously getting anxious when I thought about watching it. To the point that I recommended it to other people who finished it before me when they started way after I had started. This will have light spoilers about relationships in the show, but nothing too specific on the actual drama that ensues. So you can still listen to this and still not have it spoiled too much so you can still watch it. Beef stars Steven Yun and Ali Wong. Most of you will know Steven as one of the originals from The Walking Dead and this is a spoiler years later. So this is a Walking Dead spoiler years later. If you really want to go rewatch it, I'm warning you. Steven is a person who was lucky enough to have one of the most brutal and heartbreaking death scenes in the history of television. Many of you will know Ali Wong from her hit stand-up Netflix special in 2016 called Baby Cobra. That special is so iconic in part because she was seven months pregnant when she filmed it and Ali Wong wearing her red glasses and black and white striped dress became cemented in the fashion and comedy history, which usually don't intersect. That special is one of the few stand-up specials that I personally have watched more than four to five times. It's one of the greats and it launched her into stardom, which she completely deserved. You may have also seen her in Netflix's rom-com, Always Be My Maybe, which I really enjoyed as well, and also has Keanu Reeves. But let me swerve off this path for a quick sec. I'm going to address the elephant in the room immediately, which is the David Cho controversy. David Cho is one of the main cast members of the show. A video from nine years ago resurfaced. Um, David was on a podcast discussing getting away with sexual assault or rape, which is what I understand it to be because I have not watched the video and I don't intend to. Apparently, David had apologized in the past and said he had made up the story and it is not true. This blew up online soon after Beef was released and days later, Ali Wong and Steven Yun released a statement, which you can find online addressing it. That is all that I'm going to say on this. I want to talk about the show since I really enjoyed it and the controversy is separate and not what I'm discussing on this pod, but I didn't want to talk about it without acknowledging the serious and real drama that unfortunately surrounded this show. The characters in this show are Steven Yun as Danny Cho, Ali Wong as Amy Lau, Joseph Lee as George, Amy's husband, Young Mazzino, Paul Danny's brother, David Cho, who plays Isaac Cho, who is cousins with Danny and Paul. Danny Cho, played by Steven Yun, is an overstressed, broke general contractor in Southern California whose parents lost their motel business and had to move back to Korea. Danny lives in an apartment with his younger brother, Paul, and Danny is basically supporting them on his own as his younger brother lives a life of trying to earn money through crypto. 
Danny's dream is that he's that he's working towards is buying his parents a piece of property to build them their dream home so that they can come back to live in the U.S. But nothing seems to be going his way. He's not very good at being a contractor and his customers don't even like him. He has no real prospects in life, including his love life, and is just balancing the weight of the world on a daily basis as he feels solely responsible for the failures of his family and for trying to restore their honor. While in the parking lot of a hardware store, as he's trying to drive away in his pickup truck, Danny gets aggressively honked at by another person in an SUV behind him. This pisses Danny off and he chases the SUV down. They are basically in a pissing match of who can be the biggest douchebag on the road as they speed and break all kinds of traffic laws, but the SUV ultimately gets away. This sets off a series of totally avoidable and unnecessary horrible consequences for both people. Danny eventually figures out the identity of Amy, the successful entrepreneur who was the driver of the SUV, and Amy discovers the identity of the small business owner who was driving the pickup truck. They are two extremely unhappy people, but in completely different circumstances. Danny is poor and struggling and, hand and hanging on by a thread financially and mentally. Amy is in the final stages of closing a deal from a buyer who is paying her $10 million for her business. She has a husband and a daughter that she loves and has an enviable life in many ways, but I think she feels unfulfilled and somewhat of a fraud. She doesn't feel like a good mother or wife while espousing the notion that women can have it all. Her husband, George, has some of those toxic positivity traits. This allows him to miss the signs that his wife is about to have the most epic of mental breakdowns, or maybe to be generous, his mind is trying to ignore them to protect him from having to face the scarier truth. For George, everything can be solved with positive thinking, and he's a little bit of a moron, not quite understanding how important money is and what his wife does to give him the life that he enjoys. He grew up in a more affluent family than his wife Amy did and had parents who had their own heads in the clouds and up their own asses, so he doesn't understand the value of a dollar. He's a son of artists and is somewhat of a failed artist himself. However, he does thrive at being a stay-at-home husband and raises their daughter while Amy builds her empire. Amy feels ungrateful for not being happy with her life. She has to always be the put-together face of her successful brand. She has to be soft-spoken, that kind of stereotypical, cool, calm and collected California mom and wife. Amy always feels the need to show sufficient reverence to her mother-in-law, as her mother-in-law is a celebrated artist. And she always has to show support for her husband's subpar artwork. And she does. But there's a bubbling of anger and resentment right below the surface, and her run-in with Danny Cho was the moment to unleash that unbridled anger and frustration that she had been bottling up. In other words, Amy Lau is a messed up person. Her husband hid the code for their safe as she has a habit of taking their handgun out and having improper relations with their gun. Let's leave it at that. In Danny Cho's life, he doesn't understand why his younger brother is not motivated to help make their contracting business a success. He has this idea of the two of them working together to help make their parents whole again. Paul, his brother, looks at Danny and is just confused as to why his older brother takes on so much on his own. Paul is young and wants to do his own thing and date women and make money from crypto and travel the world. He's like basically every young guy his age. Side note, young Mizuno who plays Paul, I think that kid has what it takes to become a star. He has star power, he's super talented, he's a handsome guy. But he has a unique look about him too and he has a voice that is real smooth and will work in thrillers and rom-coms, you name it. Anyways, Paul is aloof. He's annoyed of his brother, he wants out of this life and is focused on himself. He doesn't understand familial pressure and responsibility. He's funny and kind of an airhead but can be sweet as well. He has a few hot AF scenes in the show, but will turn around and do something so dumb. But he also has an he also has a few interesting insights about Danny that I think Danny is too prideful to admit are correct. This is a bit more of a spoiler. 
At the end of the day, Danny was portrayed as being extremely flawed but very loyal to his family. And even when he made errors, it was all in service of giving them a better life. But in the end, it's revealed that Danny made decisions that really screwed Paul over. Like truly life-changing decisions he made behind Paul's back, which was not Danny's to make. And he truly messed up his younger brother's life. Seeing the way that Paul, even when he was so mad, had his brother's back throughout all the unnecessary drama that takes place that his brother created over this feud with Amy, it really looks even worse for Danny. There are several different times that you feel for both Danny and Amy. You feel sorry for them in their separate circumstances. It hit me at some point that both of them are uniquely terrible and they both deserve to get nothing in the end. The last episode is a bit unexpected, but I think it ended the show perfectly. It had drama, but ended less dramatically to a certain extent. And you may totally disagree with me when you see it. Um, but that last episode, I'm really happy about it. It was still funny and completely ridiculous, but beautiful as well. They could have done a million and one things, but I think for the characters and the audience, it was such a well done show. I would 100% recommend Beef. As you can tell, I haven't really given you too many details at all because I don't want to spoil it. I love an original story like this. It is a dark comedy, but it gets like pretty dark sometimes. Don't be like me. Watch it fast. Binge it fast. Don't let it drag on. Enjoy the ride. Get off your phone while you watch it. There's so much that happens. Like we all stare at our phones sometimes when we're watching TV. I'd really advise against doing that while watching the show. You will scream at your TV sometimes. You'll hate these characters at other times, but you want the best for them. It's a wild ride. So you can watch Beef on Netflix. I got to jump back in to mention one more scene that I forgot to talk about earlier where Steven Yun's character goes to church. So I had read other viewers who had watched the show before me say that scene was one of the first shows they had ever watched that accurately portrayed a praise and worship portion of a church service. I have to say after watching that scene, I completely agree. I was waiting to see this part of the show the entire time I had watched Beef. So in this scene, Steven Yen's character is having an emotional breakdown, and it was emotional for me to watch it. If you don't know, praise and worship is a portion of a church service that happens at a lot of Christian churches before the actual preaching begins, where the congregation are singing songs together and a live band and singers on stage are leading it. Regardless of what you feel about church or religion, it doesn't matter if you still go to church or not. I think you'll find the portrayal to be incredibly accurate. I know that I did. It displayed the overwhelming emotion that can be felt in settings like this, in somewhat of a safe space to release so much of the stress and sadness or anger that may be building in you due to, you know, different life circumstances or trauma. It can be a very triggering environment to be in when you are mentally vulnerable or you're in a mentally vulnerable place and you are singing songs that you know from childhood and that are emotionally charged. And if you've gone to church and you've seen other people have those moments, you know, full of tears and breakdowns, it's mainly about the release and that music and in particular religious or gospel music can have on you when you're in that emotional headspace. I think that the actors, directors, and writers did an amazing job of bringing that scene to life and portraying it in such an honest way. I'm sure there are tons of people that cannot relate that did not grow up in those types of religious environments and and it's completely foreign to you. But for those who did, it was such an interesting viewing experience to see a setting that you are intimately familiar with honestly and accurately portrayed and not something that you have seen often on TV or in film. Anyways, that's it. Go watch Beef on Netflix. Another show on the list of home runs that Netflix has had recently is Love is Blind season four of the reality show. 
The premise for Love is Blind is that you take a bunch of men and women, put them in two different living quarters, and they get to date each other by going into these pods where they can speak to one another, but they're divided. So the guys on one side, the girls on the other side, and then they can kind of date like a ton of people without ever seeing each other. And the whole point of the show is that eventually it's going to end in couples getting engaged. So once all the couples are engaged to one another, they are allowed to finally see each other. So they kind of have like the huge dramatic reveal of how the person looks. So this person that you've been speaking to over um, several days or weeks and you've, you know, you know so much about this person, you can have like a really um, like, you know, you can have a lot of bonding moments with them and kind of have this really unique version of intimacy without ever seeing them. And so once all the couples are engaged, they're sent to a Mexican resort where they can spend quality time now face to face together and spend time with the group of other couples. So it's basically all the engaged couples together at a resort. I watched season one of Love is Blind, um, which was a really great season of reality TV, but I didn't watch season two and three. I think I watched like the first couple episodes of season two and I just wasn't getting into it. Like it doesn't mean that the show wasn't good. I was just not feeling it at that time. So I should probably go back and watch. But season four, my sister and some of my cousins had recommended it and they were like, it's so good. You have to watch it. So I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to watch this. I've heard a lot of positive recommendations and it was crazy good for drama. So this is your spoiler alert. This is going to be like full, full up of spoilers. If you haven't watched it and you want to, I would really skip this um, and just watch the season. You can binge it really quickly. And it was, it was it was really good and there were a lot of twists and turns and things that you don't expect to happen. So the couples, I'm just going to start getting right into it right away with the couples. The couple that got engaged were Kwame and Chelsea. But in the pods, Kwame and Micah were first getting really close. So Kwame and Micah had really good connection and chemistry. And and from what the show showed, Kwame was really broken up when Micah had broken up with him when it became clear to Micah that she wanted to be with another guy named Paul so Kwame at that time had been really wrestling with his his feelings for both Chelsea and Micah Micah broke up with Kwame he took that pretty hard and then he he proposed to Chelsea that's obviously always going to be a bad look because it's hard for the audience and I'm sure hard for when you have your fiance and she sees us later on to think was I like your backup was I your second choice because it wasn't like Kwame had ever made the decision oh I'm gonna break up with Micah and I'm gonna get with Chelsea he got broken up with and then went to Chelsea and proposed so that was kind of one of the initial like like dramatic things that was happening in the pods um then Micah and Paul got engaged and Arena and Zach got engaged and Zach had been dating Arena and Bliss and he was choosing between them and he had it seemed like he had really good connection with both Arena and Bliss but he decided to go with Arena and they got engaged. Marshall and Jackie ended up getting engaged but when they were in the pods another guy named Josh really liked Jackie as well we didn't see a lot of of their dating in the pods but a lot of this came um, later on in the show and so again Jackie and Josh got engaged but or sorry Marshall and Jackie got engaged but there was another guy Josh who had also really liked Jackie a couple that everyone loved and just like we all fall in love with them right away together were Tiffany and Brett. Tiffany and Brett were the least drama filled couple. And I say that with reverence to them. 
they are a beautiful couple. They seem like such wonderful and normal people, and I'm so happy for them. There was love, no drama. Um, they are so much better than reality TV. Having a couple so genuinely sweet is an anomaly for reality TV, and I think I can speak for the entire audience when I say I hope only good things for them. Um, so they they ended up together, and they were kind of you know fell in love from the beginning and they were really sweet I forget how old um Brett is I think he's around the same age but Tiffany is 36 and she was just kind of like a little bit more like oh I don't know if it's gonna happen for me at her age I mean I obviously am partial to being like that's not old at all because that's my age but but she I did just think you know had thought she would have found her person by then and, and was like and, you know, and obviously, like most of the people there went into this experiment hoping she would find her person. And I'm so happy for her and Brett because they just like seem totally on the same wavelength of what they want out of life, where they are. They're more mature. Like, I think Tiffany and Brett are more of the mindset of what I would think would be good candidates for that show. However, that's where if you want mature mature people with no drama you cannot have a reality tv show like that so it's a good thing that you have people that are kind of crazy and immature because that's what makes it for good watching but so the whole point is that you get engaged and then there's still more drama left because you are going to the altar with that person not knowing 100% if they're going to say I do at the altar because there's still the chance that they can like it, there's still the chance that they might say no I can't go through with this and if you've watched Love is Blind you know that's happened and it creates like major major drama because there are people that go in genuinely really thinking me and this person are on the same page we love each other we want to get married and then the cold feet sets in or the person just realized like one of the people just realizes this is not for them. They should not be getting married. So that totally has happened and very much can happen with any of these relationships. So yeah, as I said, some of the major drama was with between Kwame, Chelsea and Micah in Mexico. Kwame is seeing Micah for the first time. Micah is the person that he had a really strong connection with and broke up with him and you can tell he's clearly attracted to her it kind of seems like she's attracted to him as well and I can't say for sure but she really seems like she was flirting it up with him while still really loving her fiance Paul so it was more of um I can't like I don't want to speak for someone's true intention she's a real person but it just seemed kind of like oh you know I'm gonna flirt with this guy who I know really liked me and play it up a little bit but she had no intention of anything more happening with them I think for Kwame it was probably a little bit deeper that he had feelings for her and oh my gosh getting to see this person who you were kind of in a relationship with just a few weeks ago and that breakup can still be fresh like it's it's easy to judge, but I do believe what all of those people say. Like, it's easy to judge them based on, oh, you're falling in love and getting engaged within a few weeks. But I think it's a really intense process because everyone knows that's what they're there for. So I think that played into it. But obviously, it's awkward because then his actual fiance is right there. And just making this long story short there is a reunion show and at the reunion he did apologize to Chelsea and he did like it seemed like him and Chelsea have a pretty strong relationship and they've talked about it obviously extensively outside of the reality show because um they were spending lots of time together in real life and he had apologized to her for kind of disrespecting her in ways of being very openly flirting with Micah his you know kind of ex-girlfriend and a person he was genuinely thinking seriously about getting engaged with. So that seems all good now. And obviously, editing is notorious in reality TV. You know, you're editing like hours and hours and hours that a person is with another person. And you edit it in a way that can tell a story, that can show a narrative that might not be as truthful as it seems because the way the show was edited it really seemed like Kwame and Chelsea 
more so on Kwame's side was struggling. Like he, it showed him kind of really questioning things before they were going to the altar to get married. Like I'm giving up so much for her. I'm moving cities. My family doesn't, or his mom at least did not approve of his marriage and was not going to attend his wedding. And it seemed like he was very much questioning, what am I doing? Do I really want this? At the end of the day, at the altar, he said yes. I have to say, I was pretty shocked that he went through with it because it, like, I was totally 50-50. Like, he seems like, he, he and Chelsea seem like they're strong and that they can, and that they both want this life in a way, but it seemed like he was was not a was not sure like that's not a bad thing I mean that sucks that and someone can get hurt that way but it's not a bad thing not to be a hundred percent sure about a huge major life decision but it is kind of funny when you hear like when I would hear him saying things like I'm making a sacrifice I'm making these sacrifices it's kind of like what do you think a strong relationship is like do you think it's all you getting to have the exact same life you did when you were a bachelor and doing your own thing and you don't have to change anything or make any hard decisions whatsoever some of these people you're like hmm, like <laughs> no offense but you can see why they may not have found um they may not be in the place that they wanted to be relationship wise at this point. That's why they go on the show because you kind of see those things that they're not willing to change. And of course, there's an argument to be made of oh, you shouldn't be changing like core things about who you are, or your beliefs for another just to make another person happy. But like moving another city to be married, it's like, buddy, that's what a lot of people have to do things like that you know he I just felt like he was kind of making certain small things way bigger than they actually were and I wondered if he was just trying to find an excuse for a way out but clearly I was wrong because he said yes at the altar and it all worked out and it seems like him and Chelsea are really solid and happy and I'm really happy for them but I'm also really happy for Chelsea because I was a little scared for her. I didn't want her to get made a fool of on TV. Like I didn't want to see him say no at the altar because secretly he was pining after Micah because that's what the editing really made it seem like. And I could like I could totally see him have still having feelings for her when they were in Mexico and stuff. And that's normal. Like they were really dating, technically dating just a few weeks before. But overall, it seems like, no, he was like, Chelsea's my person. I love her. This, you know, we're going forward on this adventure together. And so it all worked out for them. It's all good. Zach and Irina were a trip. This was an ill-fated pairing from the start. So Zach was the one who was speaking to both Bliss and Irina. And he broke up with Bliss and she was very hurt and you could tell, you know, Zach was very torn as well. But he thought Irina was the one for him. And even when he was making that decision and I didn't know as much about the two women as I do now, I just kind of felt like you're making the wrong choice, Zach. Like you're really making the wrong choice. Um, Just for him, not even, you know, saying anything negative about Irina. I was just like, I don't think this is the person for you. And he seemed a lot more nerdy than what she as a person seemed like she wanted. And they broke up. So Bliss and Zach broke up. He proposed to Irina. They were the first engaged couple that saw one another that did not kiss. And you could just tell, like, Irina was not attracted to him. And he was not what she thought. And she said a lot of things about, like, oh, Zach being, you know, on, you know, the type of guy that she's into and, and looks-wise. I don't believe that. I think Irina was just trying to be as nice as possible. And that's going to be funny to a lot of people because she was actually quite mean to Zach afterwards. But I think that's still her just trying to kind of save face. 
no one wants to be a person that that someone else is not attracted to like if you really care about a person you've kind of fallen in love with them without seeing them and then that person sees you and you can tell right away like they're kind of like Ugh, like I don't want you that would be a horrible feeling that I do not envy Zach whatsoever being in that position that's like a really terrible position and any of us can be in that everybody has had a crush on someone who didn't like them back and this is just on another level because millions of people are watching you and this person have professed your love to one another and then instead of jumping into your arms like what you're expecting they are so standoffish they're so awkward with you like I felt it was it's terrible to say it's like great for reality tv but it's horrible to actually watch because you just think what if you were that person that would feel so crappy and yeah Irina it's fine you don't have to force yourself to kiss anyone you don't want to that's not what I'm saying at all it's just that you could tell immediately she had made a mistake and instead of going to Mexico and just kind of like kind of fessing up early on to Zach like I'm really sorry but I don't think we have the spark we don't have the connection that's an honest thing to say instead of saying that she was just very like standoffish came across very mean to him was outwardly flirting with other people was outwardly like very obviously talking crap about him to the other women in Mexico. It was just a very not nice way to act. Even if you don't like Zach, he was not mean to Irina. So she should have not done that. But also at the reunion show, Irina did come back. She did apologize and say that she felt really bad. I genuinely believe her. Like I think it is easy to be the worst version of yourself in certain instances and I hope that she you know is like truthful and I do believe her that she's truthful she's embarrassed about the way she acted like I think any of us if we're filmed in kind of our worst behavior that we've ever had we would all feel so bad about it and humiliated and that is what happened to her but the big story with them is that what happened was they never got married. They didn't even like pretend to be moving forward after a certain point. They just realized like, no, we're not good together. This is it. This is over. And he called a bliss to meet back up with bliss. And she went to meet him. But you could tell she was really upset like you because when he when they meet up at a restaurant he's just like I have to say I, I chose the wrong person and I think even though Zach seems like a decent guy this guy is so lucky like I think Bliss is gorgeous I think she's such a catch and she was just like yeah I'm mad at you yeah I'm pissed off you did this you embarrassed me but she continued to date him and he proposed to her and they got engaged and married at the same time that all the couples got married. So they didn't even have all the time together that all of the other couples did, but they clearly feel like they have this amazing connection. I, I honestly, there are couples that you see that you totally get it. Like um, you, you totally see that these people, there's no denying they have this crazy chemistry, crazy connection obviously it's just me I'm not in their relationship I just like I do not see it with those two I don't I don't see the thing with them that I see with Tiffany and Brett clearly they have their own personal relationship that <laughs> I'm obviously not a part of and they love each other and blah 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 great good for them but to me it wasn't as obvious as Tiffany and Brett you were just kind of like oh my god I see these people together they're perfect for one another blah 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 but um clearly bliss loves zach and zach loves bliss and they see something in each other and good for them but i was really surprised when that happened so i thought that was a a fun and happy twist in the show that they got together and that zach still got to find love in the end because i think he really did want that and i think irina was a big disappointment to him 
I don't think he ever expected that to happen. Um, but I mean, it all worked out in the end. He seems happier than ever. And him and Bliss seem rock solid. And uh, and they were together at the reunion show and all that. And they confronted Irina. And I, I thought that was like hard and kind of hard to watch because he and Bliss are now the happy ones. But I mean, he was the one who was hurt. So he has every right to say that. I will say, though, that I was like, shut up when he jumped in to defend Paul against Micah. But I'm kind of getting ahead of myself because I didn't get to that. Micah and Paul. They I had so many up and down mixed feelings about them. At first, I was just like, I don't understand these two because he's he seems very they seem very different, like to it sucks to kind of use high school terminology um she seems like a very like popular girl type type of woman like young attractive woman like partying drinking and he seems more of a he's a good looking guy too but he seems more of a reserved nerdy scientist type of dude and you're just kind of like oh and he even talks about the other women that he's dated. They're, they've been very different from Micah. But when you see Paul's mom, it's it's actually like, oh, wow, that makes sense. Because his mom seems more like a woman like Micah, which is kind of cute because Paul is a very nerdy, um, analytical type of guy. I think that's how he would describe himself. But his mom it seems more like a Southern Belle from Louisiana, seems a lot more like Micah. And it just makes sense. You know, sometimes people are more attracted to people similar to their parents. I know that's like icky to say, but but you do see that a lot where people end up with someone similar to their parental figure, who they saw growing up, what they think of or think that they want in a partner. And at the end of the day, though, Paul is the one who said no at the altar with Micah. That was very dramatic. And I I, I still wasn't 100% sure about them going to the altar, but it was still shocking when he said no. And I felt really bad for Micah because it seemed that she, that she really cared about him. So that was, that was tough to watch. She ran off. She didn't want to speak with him. She wanted nothing to do with him. At the reunion show, they say that they did date for a little while afterwards, um, but it clearly didn't work out and they did not seem to be on good terms at the reunion show though Zach jumped in and was like saying I gotta defend Paul I that was a part where I was like okay Zach like stop I think that I I think that he doesn't kind of understand certain boundaries like that is a different couple you, Bliss, and Irina got to talk about your relationship, and I don't think there were too many people that piped up and were, and I could be wrong, I because I don't fully remember, but I don't think a lot of people, other people, other than the hosts, were interjecting. And I just thought, let Paul and Micah talk about their relationship. Like, don't get involved. Because as he must know, he is married now. There are going to be things in your relationship that are discussed or happen that you have not shared with every single other person that that not every single person knows about. So just like let them have their own feelings, even if you think it's unfair, things that Micah was saying, just leave it alone. Like that's not your place. I think he kind of got a little too confident um, there after he told Irina off. It's like, that's not your place. Um, you know, be quiet. Let this couple deal with their own relationship in their own words and on their own terms. Jackie and Marshall were another couple that I had all kinds of different feelings about. Um, Marshall seemed like a really sweet guy. I am much older than Marshall and it it was kind of cute and funny to me how overly like poetic and 
lovey-dovey you know they were to each other and that's cute like that is not my personality but that is cute and sweet and you kind of think and you're young and in love and you know whatever it is what it is but that is what being young and in love is and also when you're put in a setting where it's so intense and everything is like you are going to marry this person you have to love them and feel the feelings like you're trying to pack a normal dating relationship of maybe two to four years within a few weeks. So it makes sense that your feelings are so intense. Jackie and Marshall seemed a little bit mismatched as well, but that's not a bad thing. There are a lot of couples that are different that get together, but I do think that the opposites attract trope sometimes, sometimes is given more credence than it has in real life I think you have to have a lot of things in common as well you can be very different in certain ways but you also have to have a lot in common at certain points because how are you gonna be with someone forever if you disagree on a lot of things if if your personalities don't line up and I think at the end of the day Marshall is a very like kind and sweet guy and very open about his emotions and I think Jackie either lied to herself or pretended like that's the kind of guy she wanted and she didn't I think that's just the simple truth is that it felt good for a while and then eventually she was like no I'm actually not into this type of guy and I think she was um I think she was kind of mean to Marshall in ways now after the fact there are text messages and things that came out that she apparently sent to friends you can go look those on your own I don't want to repeat them but saying kind of disparaging things about Marshall and alluding to his you know softness as a man which I think are very mean-spirited and I like it just plays into the whole stereotypical concept of oh to be a man you can only be this way you don't have to be into every type of guy there are different guys personalities that you could could be something that you're not into and that's totally fine that doesn't make them less of a man than some other type of man just because that is not the guy you want to spend your life with it's fine not to want to be with a person that you're not attracted to or you can't see yourself spending your life with totally fine it's not okay to be like that person's not a real man because they don't have these characteristics that you may like just like it's not nice if he says that you're you're not a woman because you have other types of characteristics and this did come up at the reunion show because Marshall did say something that could be considered mean to Jackie and he says he was saying it as a joke and they kind of went back and forth meaning he was kind of making a joke about her being a man and then her kind of saying things disparaging him about uh, being more feminine or anyways it was just a messy situation it wasn't nice overall at the end of the day I think that Marshall seemed like overall I'm not saying he didn't ever have any bad moments in private that I don't know about he seemed like a nice guy he seemed like he genuinely cared about Jackie Um, And at the end of the day, Jackie actually ended up breaking up with Marshall and she is now with Josh, the other guy that she had dated in the pods and they're together. And from the start, they seemed more like a couple that you would see in real life. Like they seemed, they seemed like a better fit and And it's just interesting that that's how it worked out. I feel bad for Marshall. I think he got his heart broken. And I think Jackie kind of, you know, like anyone would be, embarrassed him breaking up in such a public way. And um, I just don't think that they were a good match at the end of the day. It happens. I do also feel, though, like pretty strongly that people that young should not be trying to force marriage on themselves if he had organically been dating someone for a while that's one thing but I think it is like I said earlier I think it is a lot more understandable 
and more realistic to have people in their like late 30s on a show like this that want to get married or early 40s like people that are really in a stage where I want to get married I think it is bizarre for people in their like early 20s but that's me like I am pushing my views on people because I am a person who feels like Okay, I'm interrupting my long rant on this because I double-checked Marshall's age and he's like 27. So he would have been on the show um, like when he was either 25 right before his 26th birthday or when he was 26. Either way, that still seems pretty young to me. Um, so I, my rant still stands, but for whatever reason, I had in my head that he was like 22, 23, which I found extremely young. I do understand someone who, say, wants to be married and start having kids by the time they're 30 or something being, being on this show at that age. But overall, I still think that it's very young to be on, you know, to be looking for love on a show like this. Anywho, this was a great season of reality TV. This is the best reality show since I watched The Mole season one on Netflix. And that is actually an amazing season of reality TV. So if you want to watch something else, I would definitely watch The Mole. I never watched it when the original Mole series series was on, I think in like the early 2000s. Um, but yeah, you should go watch The Mole season one. <laughs> Okay, let's get into Dead Ringers on Amazon Prime. This is going to be absolutely full of spoilers, just FYI. Dead Ringers is a new horror suspense miniseries on Amazon Plus. I meant Amazon Prime. It was also a movie back in 1988 um, directed by David Cronenberg, but I haven't watched that. And uh, But that movie was based on the book called Twins from the 1970s. Dead Ringers the show stars Rachel Weiss, who plays both starring roles of doctors Beverly and Elliot Mantle. They are gynecologists and work together and their entire lives are thoroughly intertwined in this like super weird and bizarre way. They are the queens of codependency. I loved this show quite quickly despite it having so many stomach turning scenes from the start and for someone like myself who's very squeamish and has a weak stomach it was difficult at times. The show basically starts off with Dr. Beverly Mantle fishing her miscarried embryo out of the toilet. This set a very specific tone for the show in terms of it having no boundaries essentially house of the dragon which i discussed back in episode 13 has one of the most brutal childbirth scenes in a show that i've ever seen i don't know if one childbirth scene in dead ringers is completely as hard to watch um, as it was in house of the dragon but there are so many difficult scenes involving women giving birth so if you're a woman watching this there is no way that you're not going to clench during these super invasive scenes, not only of women giving birth, but women getting vaginal exams with medical machinery put inside of them. And it's supposed to look graphic. It's supposed to look painful. And, and watching like very realistic C-sections and all of their glory. So just FYI, in case you are squeamish or don't want to see anything like that, um, this will not be the show for you. The graphic nature of these scenes feels intentional and I think it adds so much to the show. I am so squeamish and I look away a lot, but I could see how important it was for a show that is based on women and women's health and fertility and childbirth and those experiences to be in your face and not hide away from the reality of it. Also, it is a horror show and for many people the thought of giving birth to a child is an extremely scary and daunting ordeal. So as natural and normal as childbirth is, it is also clearly or can be very brutal. And they don't shy away from that because, again, it is a horror show. Dead Ringers also touches on some super hot button issues, including surrogacy. Surrogacy has recently gone from something that Although overall is rare amongst regular people, it was very accepted in the mainstream to now being a subject 
that is more openly debated and discussed in regards to the ethics of the practice. It may have been episode one where you see that tension. There's a woman giving birth, but standing right next to her is another woman who is answering all of the doctor's questions and making demands, etc. And then you realize that is the actual mother of the child and the woman in the bed giving birth is a surrogate. There's a slight argument as the doctor is interested in the health and well-being of the woman giving birth while the woman giving birth defers all her answers to her employer essentially who is technically the one paying for the service of birth. It's interesting because it brings up a lot of questions and philosophical questions. Uh, It's a very interesting dilemma and I think something that not a lot of people have given tons of thought to so it was just interesting that they brought that up in the show. Dr. Beverly Mantle aka Little Sister is the twin who is very passionate about childbirth and wants a child of her own but has experienced several miscarriages. Her and her sister Dr. Elliot Mantle want to find a financial backer for their business venture which they call the birthing center. It's a dream project a mega clinic where women can give birth in a state-of-the-art facility that gives women all of the options and tools they need to make the best decision for their bodies and babies. They, especially Dr. Beverly Mantle, wants to create a place that less women die from complications of childbirth. They also want it to be a research facility where on paper they can do groundbreaking legal work on fertility. In reality, Dr. Elliot Mantle is less interested in mothers and babies and is more interested in cutting-edge, freaky science where she can be out of the range of the FDA. The FDA already shut down a lab she was using as she was growing an embryo in a test tube way longer than is legally allowed. She's brilliant and wants to do what would be considered some Frankenstein human abomination stuff. Elliot desperately wants to move past the old-school sperm and egg housed in a womb story, and she has much bigger dreams. Something I loved about this show was how flawed all the female characters were. How weird and creepy or devious and self-centered or selfish or like I just loved that they were layered. It doesn't mean that none of them had any positive parts of their personality but there were so many like characters that were just creepy in their own way that were weird or just bad or different and there were there was no one that was really boring and that's something you cannot accuse the show of being it's not boring both mantle sisters are very interesting and different in their own ways but obviously they have lots of similarities but they are so creepy like their twin dynamic and their love for one another and obsession with each other like really crosses boundaries into the ick at different times and and you can see the love that they have for each other you can see that that they have this like very strange weird bond and you can sometimes empathize with them and see the love between them and it can be cute and fun once in a while but overall like they just stare at one another and they have this intensity like they can read each other's thoughts And it comes across like super creepy, which I think it's supposed to. And Rachel Weiss did such a good job at both of these characters and making them feel like two completely different people. Both sisters, but especially Elliot, does copious amounts of drugs, including when she's working with patients. Elliot has a fun little habit of getting the husbands of her patients to expose themselves to her when their wives leave the office for a moment to go to the washroom. It gives her a little thrill for her sick mind, but I think all, she's also trying to prove that the men are just as disgusting as she thought they were, and most of the time they prove her right. Beverly co-signs her sister pretending to be her so that she can get or seduce women for Beverly when Beverly feels too shy. Their own mother wanted to abandon them after they were born, And now as adults, she seems to only love them in the basic way that biology can tether you, but she doesn't seem to like them at all. The investor they pursue to fund their birthing center is named Rebecca and is played by Jennifer Ely, who is fabulous. 
She's probably my favorite character as the cutthroat, amoral head of a billion dollar family in the show. She plays a fictional character, but she's most definitely based on the family who are considered to be responsible, the responsible party for the current opioid crisis in America. Rebecca has no guiding principles other than profits. Also, like Dr. Elliot, she seems to have a God complex. She has no intention of investing in a clinic to help pregnant women, which is extremely boring and dull for her. What she's interested in is funding a medical business venture that could discover a cure for fertility or grow a baby in a lab. Having her family's name associated with the groundbreaking medical treatments that she knows Dr. Elliot Mantle wants to be part of is a step up from being associated with a man-made medical crisis like the opioid crisis. This works well for the Mantle twins because if you want one, you're going to get the other regardless. In getting funding for Elliot's pipe dream of growing babies in labs, Beverly gets the chance to help women. As I said, these two women are ridiculously codependent. Beverly starts a relationship with a beautiful new patient of hers who happens to be the star of a really popular TV show in the Dead Ringers world. Her name is Genevieve, and she's played by the Canadian actress Brittany Oldford. Side note, I just watched Brittany in American Horror Story season two because um, I had never watched an American Horror Story season and I read online like that that was a really good season and I watched it and she was in it and it was really good. Anyways, Dr. Elliot Mantle is fine that her sister Beverly is dating Genevieve as long as it's nothing serious. Issues begin to arise when Elliot realizes that Beverly is actually falling in love with Genevieve and that Genevieve actually has sway over her sister because Elliot's not used to that. She's used to her and her sister only trusting each other, only listening to each other. Anyone that Beverly has the potential to care about is an automatic threat in Elliot's mind as since the womb, it's only been her and her sister. Genevieve is no pushover though and begins to make demands like a normal person would. So imagine you have a boyfriend or girlfriend and their sister throws a massive tantrum because you wanted to go on a couple's weekend away to a hotel to take your boyfriend or girlfriend away for the weekend. That's what Elliot did. Oh, and huge spoiler alert. Elliot is so unhinged that because she's upset with her sister, she lashes out by having a big party at their condo and literally tosses a woman from the top of her condo building out of frustration due to not being as in control of her sister's life as she once was. Genevieve and Beverly are so in love, but Genevieve can feel the creepiness of the sister's bond every time she has to be near Elliot. Natare Guma Mavahu Muene and Poppy Lou round out the stellar cast. Natare plays a formerly great reporter who's now a disgraced alcoholic and is hired to write a puff piece on the Mantle Sisters, but he ends up with a much bigger and much better story than he ever expected. Poppy Lou, who you may know from Hackers, oh, I meant hacks, from hacks, not hackers plays a sort of personal assistant slash mysterious housekeeper to the sisters. And out of all the weird, creepy, sinister characters in the show, she ends up being one of the most mysterious of them all. One of the most disturbing scenes is of Poppy fishing through all the Mantle sisters' trash when they're at work, including their used tampons and putting them neatly into containers and then packing them in a suitcase to take it home with her. I'll let you watch the show to find out what that's all about. This show is very weird, super creepy, super bizarre, and I loved it for all of those reasons. As I said, Rachel Weiss did a stellar job playing these two characters. I think that the cast of this show was amazing. Like there were so many actors that I was like, wait, I know that person's face 
from something and I had to remember where and they were all just very very good strong actors that hold up an interesting show like this um and I just want this show to be bigger than it seems to have been it's a limited release although I've spoiled a lot I don't want to spoil the very end the very end kind of like it seems like it's a definitive end but it's one of those that you're like oh if they come back for season two is it going to be are they going to be able to change it so that certain storylines can continue and I but I've read online that it's just it was always meant to be a limited release it's fine the way it was it was a very very dramatic ending it left me wanting more which is all always a good case for any show um so I kind of wish there was a season two but I also love when like a show kind of ends perfectly after a short season so it is a limited release it's on Amazon Prime you should I want to say you should definitely check it out but if you're okay with the other things that I discussed in this show, then you should definitely check it out. As much TV as I watch, I feel like I'm missing out on the biggest show that's happening as part of the current zeitgeist. Uh, Succession. I watched like the first couple episodes of Succession a while ago and I keep saying, okay, I need to go back. I need to like really get into this and watch it. And I haven't as of yet, but every single person that I follow on Twitter watches Succession obsessively. They're all tweeting about it. And I have to try to like scroll past really quickly so that I don't spoil anything because I really do want to watch it. But I wish I had already been caught up because I just know everything's going to be spoiled. I'm still going to try my best. Anyways, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it. If you got to the end of this, you're amazing. Please come back and listen more. If you want to contact me, you can reach me on Instagram at I thought I'd be rich by now, or you can email me at I thought I'd be rich by now at gmail.com. Goodbye.